You are listening to the podcast of Central Church of the Nazarene in Flint, Michigan. Good morning, Central Church of the Nazarene. It is great to be with you today. I am so looking forward to Advent season, and it begins next Sunday, first Sunday of Advent, and all the great things that are going on around here at Christmas time. You are in for a lot of great, great services. And so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Welcome again. I'm looking. My mom is here. I haven't even seen my mom, but someone told me my mom is here. Mama, where are you? Where are you? Oh, she's over this way. Oh, there she is. She's short. I could barely see her. Hi, Mom. I'll try not to embarrass you the rest of the service. No promises. Okay. It's great having my mom, my sister, and her husband uh, from North Carolina here. And so it's good to be here. Next week you'll get to meet. Well, probably won't get. Some of you may meet. My son Ben will be in the service, and we're looking forward to that. Thanksgiving week. Everybody gets to come home. I'm glad you're just here today following last Sunday's sermon. I didn't know if anybody would show up today. Because if you remember last week, just in passing, just at the beginning, right here in this very spot, I said something about how Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz and I was kind of like her, get swept in here by a tornado and here we are. Well, little did I know, six hours later, a tornado would nearly sweep me back out. I thought somebody was praying, Lord, send him back to Kansas. And God was trying to answer that prayer. It's holding on for dear life. I'm going to end, of course, how many of you were without power this week? Or some of you, we were here at the church. We were without power for two days. I had a friend from Kansas call me up. Just, he didn't know anything about that. Just called me up saying how things were going. I said, well, we don't have any power in the church. And he kind of took that as a theological statement. He thought I was making it. And I said, no, seriously, there's so, you thought like I was dogging on you all or something. I said, no, no, there's literally no electricity in the church. So somebody else came up to me and said, pastor, you know, after you preached your first sermon, you know, a third of the county was without power. He said, I'm worried about Y2K after your second sermon. So we'll try to keep it down. Oh, my land. But it is Thanksgiving Day sermon. I love Thanksgiving. You're supposed to in the preacher's handbook or something I don't know you're supposed to on this Sunday preach a you know a nice easy count your many blessings name thy one them name them one by one type of sermon we're not really going to do that if that's okay with you uh, I wish that we could get to the spot this morning where we're, we're thankful not just for the things that you would normally spout out in a Sunday school class roof over my head clothes on my body food in the grocery you know food there not not those things, but I wonder if we could get a little deeper this morning. I know it's my second Sunday as your pastor, but I wonder if we could just be thankful for some of those things that normally we wouldn't always list on our counting our many blessings, naming them one by one. I, you see, this is what I've discovered. Some of the most thankful people I know are not those people that have skated through life unscathed. But rather, some of the most thankful people I know are people who have lived life and, and, and dealt with their share, sometimes more than their share, of sorrows and heartaches, of grief and pain. And yet, they've discovered this thing that, that they can still be thankful in spite of that. That in spite of some of the tragedies and difficulties that they've dealt with in their life, they're still thankful. 
not because they've never experienced any troubles or problems. In fact, in spite of those, those things, they've discovered that Jesus is with them always. I'm getting to the end of the sermon, but I'll tell you this right here, right now in the beginning. You're going to go through struggles in life. I wish I could tell you that you never would, but that's not, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. Not you could, you might, maybe one day. No, he says, in this world, you will. But in this life, you will have troubles. But in this life, you can also have Jesus by your side. And even when facing those struggles and difficulties and problems, Jesus can be right there. He never promised that we'd never go through troubles. He promised that he'd always be with us. There's a lady in the New Testament that discovered that great truth. Her story is told in a couple of places, but the place I'm going to read from is Mark chapter 14. If you have your, your, your Bible or your phone or whatever and you want to get it, Mark 14, that's great. Mark is the second book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 14. This is how the story goes, according to Mark. This story takes place, by the way, right after Jesus, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem right after uh, the palms are waving, but before the crucifixion. And this is how Mark tells the story. It was two days before Passover, and the festival of unleavened bread, the leading priests and teachers of the religious law were all looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, for, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany, the home of Simon, a man who previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. They scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. May God bless the reading of his word and how true Jesus' words are, because now 2,000 years later, we're remembering and discussing what this lady did. To fill in the gaps of the story, you really need to understand John's telling of the story too, because John tells us a few things that Mark didn't tell. For example, Mark tells us that they're meeting at the home of Simon, a former leper. John tells us that too. But he says that, that the gathering, the reason they're all there at Simon, the former leper's house, is that Simon had invited people there to honor Jesus. Bible scholars, many of them think that this gathering was more than just Simon and Lazarus and Martha and a few other, other people, but rather Simon the former leopard had invited all the people he knew that had been touched by Jesus. So there were, there were former blind people and former, former lame people there. And of course Lazarus, the guy who just a couple weeks earlier was dead, dead as a doornail, he was there. And they're all there. This was kind of a, look what Jesus has done for me party. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. I was still blind if it wasn't for Jesus. I'd still be begging if it wasn't for Jesus. In the Lazarus case, I'd be dead if it wasn't for Jesus. And so they're all there having this great party. And Mark says that in the middle of this party, a lady comes in. But John tells us it's not just any lady. This is Mary. Now, back in those days, there were a million Marys. They weren't all that creative in naming their girls. I don't know why. It seemed like every family had a Mary. Sometimes they'd have more than one Mary. Some families would have Mary the Elder, Mary the Younger. 
maybe naming girls is difficult. I don't know. We have two boys. We started, we were going to name, we were going to have 26 kids, and we started with Alex, A, B, C, D, all the way. We got Alex, we got Ben, we stopped. <laughs> maybe naming girls is harder. I don't know. It seemed like they were all Marys. But this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Mary Magdalene. This is Mary of Bethany, Mary, the sister of Martha, Mary, the sister, more importantly, of Lazarus. Lazarus, the guy who was dead just a few weeks earlier. Mary comes in carrying a jar of expensive perfume called the essence of nard. Now that might not mean anything to you. Essence of nard, la-di-da. Well, nard in the first century was very, very expensive. In fact, there was only one place in the first century that you could get the essence of nard. That was from the Ganges River. Now you can look all over your Bible and you'll never see the mention of the Ganges River. That's because the Ganges River is in India. And the only way that the essence of nard could get to Jerusalem was you didn't just run up to your local Walmart and get it. No, it came from a long caravan from India, the thousands of miles, to Jerusalem. And so it made it very, very expensive. In fact, the Bible tells us that it was worth more than a year's wages. So think of this little jar, alabaster jar of, of essence of nard, costing fifty, sixty thousand dollars year's wages. It was so expensive that to convey to, to someone that they were special and important, you would put one drop on their head when someone came to your house. And they were really, really special. Maybe you'd put two drops in here. Two drops of nard. That's all it took. So you are so very important. And, and, and I'm going to put this essence of nard right on your head. Two drops. It conveys the notion you are an extremely important person. So here comes in the party. The party's going on, which incidentally tells me Jesus likes parties. They're all having a party and everyone's having a, fun, a great time. A lot of fun going on. And in comes Mary. And it doesn't take a lot to imagine what took place. Mary walks into that house and she sees people. She sees people that used to be blind and used to be lame. She sees people that she used to toss a few coins in their hat when they were begging over by the temple. My goodness, she's in the house of Simon, the former leper. Remember in the first century, when a leper came, what would you do? You'd yell out, unclean, unclean, there's a leper. Maybe she had done that in reference to Simon. Unclean, there's Simon the leper, get away, he's a leper. But now she's in his house. And she looks over across the room. There he is. Laughing, carrying on, just like always, Lazarus. And she's watching him. She's got the jar. And she's seeing him, him kind of rib Jesus, talk about stuff. And she knows it wasn't all that long ago, just a couple weeks earlier. There was no laughing on that day when her and Martha had gathered at the cemetery. And they were wondering, where was Jesus? Why didn't Jesus show up? I wish Jesus would have been here. Things would have been different, but Lazarus is dead. But she's looking across the room, and he's not dead anymore. And the reason he's not dead is because the guy sitting next to him is Jesus. And Jesus came in and transformed everything. And so she makes her way across the room. What do you put on Jesus' head? One drop? Two drops? He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one that all of heaven rejoiced over. What do you put on his head? He raised her brother from the dead. And so spontaneously, I think impulsively, she just broke open that jar and she poured the whole thing over on his head. If one drop was for somebody special, what do you put on? You just pour the whole thing on, so she poured it all out. 
Have you ever done something that later people just didn't, didn't understand? I think that's what happened with Mary. Because she poured it all, and there was no mistake, and the whole house stunk like nard. What in the world? What just went on? And there's a broken jar, and it's all over Jesus. There's nard everywhere. Did you drop the bottle of nard? No, she did it on purpose. And the disciples, according to John, led by Judas, were mad. Really, really mad. In fact, in verse 6, it says that they were, were indignant towards, towards, Mary, towards Mary. They were, they were mad. In fact, that, the connotation in Mark's version is that they were like snorting horses. That's what the word means. It was like they were snorting horses. Can you believe what Mary did? <laughs> oh, I can, Jesus, do you know that that, that, that that money was worth a year's wages? <laughs> Jesus, I can, you need to say something to Mary. She just wasted a lot of... <laughs> snorting horses. But Jesus, knowing what was going on in Mary's life, looking over at Lazarus and seeing him and seeing how this wasn't just a silly thing, this wasn't a frivolous thing, this wasn't a needless thing. Jesus said to her, verse 6, this was a beautiful thing, the NIV version says. The version I read said it was a good thing. It was a beautiful thing. Remember last week, if you were here, we, we closed the service with a song by Michael Gunger. Uh, he makes beautiful things, beautiful things out of us. Well, here, Jesus is saying, Mary has done a beautiful thing. I think sometimes um, our version of beautiful things and God's version of beautiful things are totally different. I think our version in our culture, a beautiful thing, is someone that has a shapely body or straight teeth or, or, or nice hair or good clothes, and that's what makes a beautiful thing. But according to 1 Samuel 16, you know, God doesn't look at those outward stuff. God looks at what? The heart. And so a beautiful thing to God is, is sacrifice. A beautiful thing to God is compassion. A beautiful thing to God is, is showing mercy and justice. A beautiful thing is an extravagant sign of thankfulness and gratitude towards the Lord, just like what Mary did. It was a beautiful thing. And then Jesus went on to say that we would be telling her story for years and years, all around the world, what she did. And of course, he's right, because here we are. And why are we retelling that story? Because I think Mary's story speaks to us. It speaks to anyone who's ever struggled. It speaks to anyone who's ever had troubles. It speaks to anyone who's ever uh, not skated through life, but had to deal with the troubles of life and the heartaches of life, the grief of life, just like Mary had done. But she showed us how, with a heart full of gratitude, that everything changed because of Jesus. And how true that is. Everything changes because of Jesus. I know a little bit about what I speak. I've uh, dealt with, with, with some of that type of stuff. Not the dead brother, but chronic issues. Um, many of you know I've got a book coming out in the spring. This is not a shameless plug. It's just a reality. A book coming out called Chronic Pain. That's the title. Uh, Finding Hope in the Midst of Suffering. And really it deals with um, a lot of my, my um, headache issues. And the reason I bring it up is three years ago, right now, three years ago, Thanksgiving Sunday in 2010, um, I was at 
Lenexa having a service just like this one, only we had communion that Sunday. And, and so when we, we had the communion service, as people, as the elements were being passed out, I said to the, the folks, I said, why don't you just take a moment as we're waiting, because communion is great for Thanksgiving. We said, well, while we're waiting, to count your blessings. Think of all the things that you're thankful for. And in that moment, I'm standing right here, like you're right in the front of the church, and I said that, you know, standing right there, count your blessings. And it was that the Lord was speaking to me, said, Rob, what are you most thankful for? And the first thing that came to my mind was not my salvation experience. It was not um, um, Carla and the boys. It was not my, my Christian heritage that I, was, that I was given by my parents. Right there in that moment, the first thing that came to my mind was headaches. Rob, are you thankful for headaches? I said, Lord, are you kidding me? I hate my headaches. See, up until that point, and here's, I'll give you the, kind of the Reader's Digest version. In 2006, five days before, 2007, five days before Christmas, I had a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Now, if you went to seminary, not medical school like me, then you, that might not mean anything to you. But I found out subarachnoid hemorrhages are not fun. It's like somebody hitting you in the head with a baseball bat. It's bad. 50% of the people that have it die. 10% of the people don't even make it to the hospital. They just die. And so, obviously, that did not happen. But I was a little goofy out of my head for the first uh, few days after that. Um, I'll tell you this part of the story. I'll tell you this part of the story real quick. I, I was just out of my gourd, right? And, and then after I came to my senses, um, a couple days later, a nurse came up to me and said, Do you ever want people to call you Roberto? And I said, No. She said, well, you wanted me to call you Roberto. <laughs> I have a little Latino in me, I guess. I didn't know about it. So the Lord touched me, healed me, many, many things. And three weeks after that, I was preaching. And six weeks after that, I was back into my regular schedule. And, and God helped me in many, many ways. But I still deal, deal with, with headaches, migraines. Um, chronic migraines is what it's been labeled. And so it got really bad. Um, in 2010, I went from the end of April to the end of August with a massive migraine that would not stop. Think of it as, you know, a Slurpee brain freeze um, without the sugary goodness of the Slurpee for four months. And that's, that's what it was. And, and every day was just awful. And I went to the, to the doctor's. Um, and they tried everything, different medications. I'd go in twice a week, and they'd hook me up to like an IV with a concoction of medicines, and they'd put that in. That didn't work. Tried everything, everything, everything didn't work. Every day, this was my day. I would, I would get up in the morning and, and go into the church and work as long as I could, and then I'd go home and go upstairs to our bedroom and close the shades and close the door because I couldn't. Light bothered me, and noise bothered me, and smells bothered me, as nauseous. I lost like 40 pounds. It was just bad. It was bad, bad, bad. Nothing was working. And finally, finally, the doctor came and says, said, Rob, well, we're going to try this, this other treatment. It's injections in your head. And um, he said, but I don't want you to get your, your hopes up because we've, we've, gone to doc, we've gone to the insurance company 25 times now and asked for this procedure for other people, and it's been rejected all 25 times. He said, you can pay for it out of pocket, but I've seen the car you drive, and I don't think you can afford it. And so I said, well, okay, let's, let's try. And, and I got everybody to pray, pray that, you know, the insurance would say, okay, they've rejected 25 people in a row and, and see. 
And again, to make a long story short, they called and said, you're the first, you got approved. And so I went in and, and started these injections that I get now every, every three months. It doesn't last, it lasts about three months. So I went in that very first time. Okay, I'll tell you this part of the story too. Went in the very first time and I didn't know. I should have asked some questions beforehand. You know, if you're getting 40 shots in your head, let me just say this, ask more questions than I asked. I was just like, get this headache gone, shoot me wherever, I don't care. So I went in though and he's given me the shots, you know, and I get them all over. And which does make a really smooth forehead now. And they did it up, yeah, see, let me look. See, it's smooth, there's not a wrinkle on there. I can't raise my eyebrows. I can try. It does, they don't raise. I've told my boys, they can shock me. I just won't look shocked. <laughs> but I didn't ask them all the questions I need to ask. And the big question that I should have asked was, I just thought I was going to go in, 40 shots, leave, no headache. And I also thought that it was going to be, you know, this is like the answer to my prayers, right? And so he's given me these shots. And he says, you know, it's, it's going to take 10 days to, to two weeks before we know if it works. I said, what? I thought I'd get the shots and boom, no. And he goes, no, 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 it'll take, it'll take 10 days to two weeks. So, I said, and remember, Rob, and he probably told me this, but I forgot. He said, remember, it doesn't work for everybody. It may not work for you. There's, you know, there's, there's 75% of the people, it helps some. You know, some people, it really helps a lot. Some people, not as much. And, and there's 25% that it doesn't help at all. And I got to tell you, that was a really hard two weeks as I was waiting. So I'd already gone, you know, four months, massive migraine, would not stop. And I'm thinking, I, I was this close. In fact, the board secretary of the church called me up right after the injection and said, Rob, you know, maybe we need to think about and talk about a, a medical leave. And I said, I know, I know, I know we need to because I can't keep on doing this. And if this doesn't work, uh, there's, I don't know what else we're going to do. And so I was praying, praying, praying. People were praying that it would work. Didn't know if it was going to work. And I remember one morning I woke up and I went into uh, the bathroom and I, I was getting ready for the day. I flipped on the light and I looked in the mirror and my forehead was smooth. It hadn't been smooth. And it's like, woohoo, I think something's going on here. You know, I didn't look like Joan Rivers, but I was smooth. And, and God began to use that and make, again, long story short, it's, so now every three months I go, it doesn't eliminate my headaches, it doesn't wipe them totally out, but it makes life much, much, much more manageable and, and better. So like even this week, I had to fly back to Kansas City this week to see my doctor, last one, you know, I got to find a doctor here that does it, so I fly back there. But there is some advantages, so I flew back this week, because, you know, I don't have a doctor here yet or anything, and insurance is, you know, it takes a little while to approve all this stuff. So I go back and I get to my, the car rental place and, and the lady's taking me out to where the cars are and she's trying to make small talk. What are you doing in Kansas City? I said, well, actually I'm here for a doctor's appointment and, and I've got to go and get 40 shots in my head. She looked at me, she said, really? I said, yeah, yeah, come here and they're going to put 40 shots. I said, you know what? I said, I would think if a guy is getting 40 shots in his head, he should get an upgrade in his car. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I'm coming here. I come halfway across the country just to get 40 shots in my head. I said, if I, was, if I, was, if I ran a car uh, rental place, I would give that guy a free upgrade. And she looked at me and she said, you're right. Pick any car you want. 
So I got, you know, I had rented a, like a subcompact. I'm driving in style. It was awesome. Why do I tell you all this stuff? All right. Three years ago, Thanksgiving Sunday, today, I'm standing in front of the people. God says to me, Rob, are you thankful for headaches? God, are you kidding me? I hate headaches. It just, it robbed me of this summer. And it robs me of days so many times. Are you kidding me? I hate these things. But then there, this, this all took place, you know, in the time that people are getting their communion elements. So it's longer for me to explain than what really happened. I sense the Lord saying, but Ram, funny thing, you, you pray more now than you ever prayed before. And I was. He said, you're in the word a whole lot more now than you were before. It seems to me that you empathize with people a whole lot more. When people tell you that they're hurting or in pain, you've got that figured out. You know what that's like now. I don't know that you did before. I think you're a better pastor now than you were before, Rob. When we sing songs like we're going to sing here, I need thee, oh, I need thee, now you get it. Now you understand what it means to really depend on me. Before you were really depending on yourself a lot of times. Now you get it, Rob. So what do you say? Are you thankful for your headaches? Now I got to tell you, I still hate them. <laughs> and Carla hates them probably worse. They are not what I put on the list of count your blessings. Name them one by one. Headaches, no. But I understand that God has used those awful things. And God has given me the strength through those and I can trust him through those and I and I and I really do think that he has received the glory through those I'm not there yet I wish I wish we would be there if you've struggled through stuff if you've gone through junk you know if you've been like Mary and just weeping your heart out I hope you know what I'm learning that is Jesus is always with us that we can trust him no matter what you're going through. I'd wish we could get to the place of Habakkuk. Last week we, we talked about Jonah. And the very last words of Jonah, remember, was the question that God asked Jonah. You know, shouldn't I be concerned about this great city of Nineveh? And we don't know Jonah's answer. Was he faithful? Was he not? Did he say, no, I should, you shouldn't be concerned? Did he say, yes, I'm an idiot for thinking otherwise? We have no idea because it ends with God's question. But the book of Habakkuk, also a minor prophet in the Old Testament, it ends very, very faithfully. Habakkuk was writing during a terrible time, severe famine. And this is how the book of Habakkuk ends. He says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there's no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, food, though there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Leave it right there, fellas. When you're Habakkuk and you're living in an agricultural society, that's saying, though everything in the whole world is rotten. There's no figs, there's no grapes, there's no olives, there's no food, there's no sheep, there's no cattle. When everything goes south, when everything stinks, when everything is, is crashing in around you, some of you know exactly what that's like. Then look what Habakkuk says next. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread to the heights, yet I will rejoice. Oh, I wish we could get there. I wish we could say, you know what, I've gone through some pits. I've been in some, some desperate situations. I've been in some trying times, yet I will rejoice. Why? Because I know Jesus is my strength. Because I know with him by my side, I can make it. Because I know with him on, 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 on my ship, remember that? With Jesus in my boat, I can, I can make it through this storm. That's what this is about. We're going to sing a song. And as we sing it, it's, just, it's a simple song. I don't know if you've sang it here before or not. It says, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. And some of you, some of you this Thanksgiving, you're thinking, I don't feel like counting my blessings. I've got a lot of junk. I know what that's like. Some of you up in the balcony, I want you to know Jesus is with you. No matter what junk you're going through. No matter how deep the pit, no matter how broken the heart, no matter what is going on, Jesus will be with you. You can trust him. And so as we sing this chorus through, there may be some of you, I know it's Thanksgiving Sunday, we're supposed to be counting our blessings. There may be some of you who just want to come down here and say, Lord, I'm going to give you some of those things. I'm not going to be counting my blessings. I'm going to be remembering some of my sorrows and trusting you with them. Because the truth of the matter is, I need you. I need you every hour. I need you. I wish you'd get to the place where you discover that, that not is he just with you. He is your sustainer, your helper. Habakkuk, I will rejoice. He brings me joy. He'll see you through. He will see you through. Why don't you stand? And as we sing this, this, there's nothing magical up here, but it's just a good place to pray. If you're facing some struggles, if you're going through tough times, maybe it's physical, maybe it's a relationship that's messed up, maybe it's something at work or at school, this is just a good place to pray. Why don't we sing this through? If you want to pray, by all means. Thank you for listening. For more information on Central Church, check us out online at centralnazarene.com.